Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I remember seeing a great Twitter thread that entertained me highly, Uh where this girl was talking about how they'll change things in high school or middle school versions of shows. Oh, yeah. And um, she said her school did rent... Oh, but no. instead of having AIDS, oh, yeah. the character had diabetes. <laughs> Come on. And I was like, what? I don't know. The, the only thing I could and guess this... was there was a lot of homophobia around it because they were like, I don't want to explain about gay people or whatever. But... Well, it, then don't pick Rent. Exactly. You know, There's like, so many other if shows. If you have to make that big of a change, then do a different show. Uh, I remember we did we did Once Upon a Mattress, which is entirely about getting laid. Yeah. And our the the director, I don't think she knew that when she directed it because it was played very straight and we're all like in on the joke but the I don't think it came across. Oh, damn. At all. It was a fun show though. Speaking of fun, uh not today. <laughs> we're talking about a real dirt bag today. That's true. Which uh, you know, on one hand, I I love the stories that are just about good people falling in love and, you know, in a ridiculous situation. Mm -hmm. But, man, I do love some of these stories, too, where we can just really dig into these (laughs) 
monsters. Like, yes, let me judge you. And she's no, she's no Summer Peach herself. I guess not. I mean, she's a victim of circumstance, but also makes some choices. Don't we all? Don't we all, indeed. I would have probably made different choices from her, but she had different choices available to her than I have exactly. had. And let us not forget that. Yeah. Sometimes you don't make good choices. Sometimes you just have good choices. Right. And that's exactly what we're going to get into about this couple today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I say let's get the music going and let's dive in. I'm ready. Hey there, friends. Come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. All right, first things first. You've seen the title of the show. You've seen this guy's (laughs) name written down. I don't know if you've heard it or not. (laughs) You've been giggling about this for like two days. (laughs) (laughs) All due respect to to the maybe many Russian families out there with this last name. But this guy's name is Burton Pugash. Pugash. And I gotta say, it wouldn't be so funny if this guy wasn't such a Pugash. <laughs> Just a fancy way of saying asshole. Right. <laughs> oh, man. I gotta say, a lot of this information comes from, there's an article in the Sunday Times by Amy Turner in 2008. There's a New York Times article that came after Burton's death. And a lot of this info comes from the documentary Crazy Love, which came out in 2007. It's specifically about this couple, and it is quite a story. Check it out, because it'll it'll fill in all the gaps here. It still raises more questions than it answers, but I don't think that that's kind of inherent in this story. So Burton Pugash, uh, <laughs> he was born in the Bronx in 1927. He grew up in the Great Depression, and he said at the time, the only thing anybody had was their honor. We'll Which I don't mind sacrificing <laughs> at any given time. His father was a Russian immigrant and his mother was an American. He did live in New York City his whole life. He went to Brooklyn Law School and he graduated there in 1950. He practiced negligence law. Now, this centers around harm that's caused by people or businesses who fail to exercise reasonable care. So if there's a reasonably predictable negative outcome to an action and you don't deliberately act to prevent that outcome, then you've behaved with negligence and you're responsible. Okay, so it's like if there's a big spill in a restaurant and you don't put caution wet floor and someone falls and breaks their leg. Yeah. That's negligent. You were negligent for, obviously, that could have happened, and you didn't do anything about it. Yeah, you should have warned people. Yeah. If you open a can of peanuts, and a giant springing snake pops out of it, and it scares you, and you stumble backwards, and you knock over an old lady, you should have known that was going to happen. Oh, wow. That old lady would have a case against you? Yeah. Well, Burton Pugash would. (laughs) He'd find one, that's Uh for sure. Because his biographer, Barry Steinbeck, says he was an ambulance chaser and that he was nefarious, and he was this hugely successful lawyer. He said he was going to be successful. He didn't care how he did it. But all you had was your honor. Yeah, right. Yeah, Bert says, I remember graduating law school when a friend said to me, your skills mean nothing. Every case is a fix. Wow. Okay. Good. What an indictment yeah, right. <laughs> of the justice system. Uh-huh. He said he wasn't a crook because he never staged his own accidents. But a friend, Bob Janoff, said he was running a negligence mill. 
So like an accident would happen, a friendly doctor would write up a good report that helped your case, and Bert would cut that doctor a check, and, quote, everybody's happy. Wow. The actual practice is called fee splitting, and it's illegal. (laughs) But Bert said, I'm not fee splitting. No, I'm just paying for a service. Wow. Yeah. I'm just, hey, that doctor just writing a report. If it's a good report that happens to win me my case, I mean, that's just a coincidence. Mm -hmm. I didn't pay him to make it good. I just paid him to write the report. And make it good. Yeah. Well, if he makes it good, that had nothing to do with my money. (laughs) It just happened to be, it just happens to be that every time he writes a report for me, it's good. You know, what are you going to do? It gets me what I want. And he was a womanizer. Good old Bert. He was constantly asking out female clients. And he said for all the slaps in the face he got, he got laid enough to make up for it. Wow. He's really hedging his bets there. I know, right? It's just like, I guess I'll just ask everyone and maybe two out of 10 will say yes. Yeah, it's good odds. (laughs) Take eight slaps for a good lay. Uh, unbelievable. I got to say, the two of you saying yes to Bert. Yeah. He's fucking it up for all yeah. ten of us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so Bert's rolling in it. He's got a big fat wallet. He's got a brand new shiny Cadillac. He buys a new powder blue Cadillac every year. He had his own private plane, and he owned a nightclub on Long Island. So he's living large. He's just cashing out. He's just mm-hmm. got money. Gross money. And... What does everyone in New York or L.A. do when they get a bunch of money? He decided to produce a movie. And the film was called Death Over My Shoulder. It's the story of a private detective who can't afford his son's surgery. So he hires a professional killer to take himself out so that his girlfriend will get the insurance money and then she can pay for the son's surgery. So a real sacrificial story Mm -hmm. of a man hiring an assassin. Yeah, But he went to London where production was happening and he got to visit the set and do some sightseeing and, you know, just mm-hmm. be a rich guy hanging out in London for a while. That sounds fun. Yeah. This is the this is what entices people to <laughs> uh, come by a lot of money uh, in uh, unethical ways because yeah. they want to be able to go to London and do whatever they want for a while. I get it. Yeah. I'm trying it with a podcast myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's not getting us. There's better ways, Bert. You could have just... Started a podcast. <laughs> we might get to London in a few we've, years. We've gotten as far as our own bathroom, so pretty good. <laughs> but when he, when he gets home to, to New York, he's on top of the world. It's 1956. It's Rosh Hashanah. He's driven over to a park in the Bronx with his friend Bob Janoff, who is like the second worst person in the story. Yeah, this got, oh, Bob Janoff. Oh, I hate that guy. More like Bob Jackoff. Yeah. Except he'd probably think that was hilarious and love it. I know, right? Yeah. You're like, thanks so much. Yeah. Bob Turnoff. Yeah, Bob Turnoff. There you go. There you go. That'd, that'd stick it so to So we got Poogash and we got Turnoff <laughs> hanging out together. Yeah, they're best, best friends. <laughs> and suddenly, Bert slams on the brakes. And Bob says, what's going on? And Bert goes, look, they're on the bench. That girl is gorgeous. I've got to have her. Ugh. Have Fellas, her. no, I've got to have her is the wrong mindset, vocabulary, everything about that. Just like change that. It's a easy switch. <laughs> I got to meet her. Mm-hmm. I got to get to know her. Mm-hmm. I got to be close to like, there's I gotta a woo her. There's a thousand Some. other words before I got to have, have her. Uh, mm. That is just red flag number one right there. Don't love it. Don't no. love it. Well, who did he see on that bench? Well, her name was Linda Riss. She was born in 1937, so she's about 10 years younger than Bert. 
Now, Linda's parents separated when she was very young, and she grew up living with her mother and her grandmother. So uh, all-female household for the most part. I think her father was around, but she was raised by her mother and grandmother. She was gorgeous. I mean, this woman was compared to movie stars of the day. She's a very beautiful brunette woman, big brown eyes, a uh, real pretty smile. And she got a ton of attention for that from boys. And she loved the attention from boys, but she was not promiscuous. Her friends were like, she was actually very chaste. Mm -hmm. She was the opposite of easy. She loved the attention. She was flirtatious, but she wasn't out there mm -hmm. getting with all the guys. Yeah, she's just out of high school at this point. She's working a low-wage job. And Bert gets out of his car. He approaches her. And he gives her kind of a tired line, in my opinion. But oh, at the God. time, it was probably pretty fresh. It's bad. <laughs> he goes, hey, uh, aren't you an actress? Did I work with you on the movie I was just producing in London on the Thames? Uh, you dropped something there, buddy. I, I mean... <laughs> Like an anvil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you produce a movie? Am I supposed to ask you about the movie you produced? No, Let me be impressed real producer? quick. Are you Yeah. And Linda, to her credit, didn't really fall for this right away. She thought he was a weirdo. She kind of brushed him off. Yeah, like an OU kind like, of thing. Uh-huh, sure. You produced a movie. Get out of here, man. And he sent her a dozen roses, and he keeps coming to meet her. He takes her out a few times. He's just really pursuing her. Mm -hmm. And he's super rich, as we mentioned. Uh, he's making up to $80,000 a year at the time, uh -huh. which in today's money uh, is something like $800,000 a year. That's so good. he's showing her a real good time with this money. Yeah. And her mother is like, yes, girl, this is the man you want. Right. <laughs> he is rich. He's a lawyer. He's got a powder blue friggin' Cadillac every year. Right. He I seems mean, relatively harmless. He's kind of a quiet little nerdy guy. Sure. And he seems to really be obsessed with her. Oh, he is. Yeah. So she's like, okay, this is the answer to all our problems. So Linda keeps seeing him, and she's enjoying this luxurious time, as I think anyone would. Sure. You like people throwing oh, yeah. money around on you and yeah. taking you to fancy places, and that's certainly what he did. Right. They would go to clubs all the time, like the Copacabana. Every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, he's taken around. He said the band at the club was under instruction every time they walked in to play the song Linda. Which, come on, I mean, like... The first, like, two times, I'd be like, oh, my God, that's, that's so like, cool. look at, that's so cool. That's just for me. And then I feel like <laughs> eventually, oh, wow, that song's got my name in it. Great. Mm, that's so cool. Okay, I've never heard that before. Like, I swear to God, I get it. It's it's funny. Everybody wants to do it. But if I hear the song Eli's Coming one more time in my <laughs> life, I just, everybody's like, oh, the song, you know, and they're all the, to them, they're all the first one to say it. Oh, sure. To me, I would say 85% of the people I've met in my life have referenced <laughs> that song within the first 15 minutes of us meeting. Mm -hmm. It's fine, mm -hmm. but it's not, I'm not, I don't expect a reaction because I've heard it. <laughs> Meanwhile, oh, yeah. yeah. Diana. Sure. So many references you could make. Okay. We got a princess. We uh -huh. got a goddess. Yep. We got a Wonder Woman. We got all a kinds of Nerf things. Herder song. Diva. Nerf Herder song. I mean, you could say anything. And people never do. They just call me Diane. Yeah, a lot of people call you Diane. What? Yeah, I'll write it down in an email, and they'll go, oh, hi, Diane. Thanks so yeah. much. And I'm like, it's it's right there. Well, anyway, so he's having the band play Linda, and they're having a grand old time. And he would, like, pick her up Friday morning and take her to work. He'd show up at her house before work in the morning, and she'd be, and her response was like, I guess it's better than taking the bus. 
Sure. Sure. I guess I'd also rather take a Cadillac. And then he'd pick her up for lunch. And then he'd pick her up and take her home at the end of the day. And this was constant. She's like, man, this guy is great. I mean, he is showing out and giving me everything I want. I feel like I'd be like, don't you have work to do? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it all seemed a little too good for Linda's grandmother. Mm. She was suspicious and she was like, nah, this guy's too successful to be single. I don't buy it. Something's wrong here. Mm. And sure enough, one night before a date, Bert gets a phone call from a friend. And the friend says, Hey, I got news for you. Heads up. She knows you're married. And so when they get to dinner, Bert's got to get in front of this, right? And he's like, well, she's, ugh, she knows I'm married. I better uh, beat her to the punch, as he put it. And he starts playing all these what he calls tricks. He keeps using the word tricks in all of his interviews. He does not make himself sound like a good person, and I don't think he tries to in his interviews. He's like, I pulled out every trick in the book to try and make sure I could get in front of this, that she wouldn't be mad. So I told her I was married first before she was able to bring it up. And I don't know if she knew or not, because she was floored by this. Mm. Shocked. I can't believe you're married. How... How have we been spending all this time together? How has any of this work? I am amazed. We spend every weekend together. And he says, I swear, I'm getting a divorce. I'm working on it. It's going to go through any minute now. And I'm going to get divorced. And it's just you and me. I promise. And she says, okay, we'll tell you what. When that divorce goes through, you give me a call. And she got up and she left dinner. That's right. There you go, Linda. Smart. That is a good choice from Linda. Yeah, don't don't let them string you along with some damn promises of uh-huh. a divorce because it's always a lie. <laughs> <laughs> and huh, the very next day, less than 24 hours later, she gets a phone call from Bert. Oh, hey, the divorce went through. Look at this. I, you know, I just... I, I read any in. minute and I left it. Yeah, literally it happened in the next six minutes. <laughs> uh, I'm totally divorced. Everything's fine. And she says, okay, mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. Why didn't you come over here and show me those papers then? Because I'm... This, I'm is not a, in- this is what I needed help. I, th- I needed Linda to develop uh, some healthy skepticism. Yes. <laughs> and I'm glad she did. This is important. He shows up at her door with the divorce papers. He shows them to her. She's like, uh-huh, okay. And she quickly memorized the index number at the top of the papers. Mm-hmm. And she passes that along to her mom. And she says, send this to your lawyer and have him look into it and find out if this is real or not. Yes, girl. Yes. uh, Yeah. But on the other hand, this is going to take a few weeks because they got to write to Alabama, I guess, where it was registered. They got to wait for them to look it up, to send a letter, everything, come back. This is going to take a minute. And she decides, you know what? Benefit of the doubt. I'll go with it for now. I'll keep dating you, Bert, you know, until I hear otherwise. Yeah, because times times were tough for for old Linda. Yeah. Because she's seeing all her friends get married. And she wants to get married, too. It was something really important to her. She refused to have sex with Bert before they were married. Yeah. And not for lack of trying on Bert's part, of course. (laughs) (laughs) So she kept asking him about marriage. He said they would definitely get married. Don't worry. I'm 100% on board with that. But he would just constantly stall her by being like, let's go shop for rings. Let's look at houses and boats. Classic. And like. Kind of creating the fantasy of what their life could be like together one day when they get married, for sure, one day. Yeah. Any day now, we'll definitely get married. It was the same thing, I know, when you wanted to get married and I was stalling and I was like, let's go boat shopping first. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we definitely (laughs) looked at boats. We spent a few years boat shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, meanwhile, 
things weren't easy for Bert either, okay? Mm-hmm. He was a very sad, poor little Bert Pugash baby because the Bar Association in the late 50s started really cracking down on lawyers for fee splitting. And they were going to take his license away for, as he said, quote, for nothing, for virtually nothing. I'm like, which is it, Bert? (laughs) Is it nothing or something? (laughs) Because... I mean, I don't know why they're taking it away. I just committed a couple crimes. Yeah, it's just a little crime. Just a tiny crime. crime. Multiple times. Yeah. It was just light treason. (laughs) (laughs) I may have committed some light treason. (laughs) So he says, that, I mean, you know, combined with all this pressure from the Bar Association and the fact that Linda wasn't having sex with him, it Poor made him Bert. such a sad little crybaby with a booby diaper. And <laughs> he was eating his crybaby soup mm-hmm. and having a really hard time. And he started drinking heavily at this time. Great. That'll yeah. solve all your problems. Oh, d- brilliant choice there, Bert. Linda said he would get outrageously jealous all the time and scream at her if she ever talked to other men. Like she bumped into a guy at a gas station that she dated years ago and she just said hi to him and he said, hi, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Okay, bye. And they get in the car and Bert just loses. Oh, I can't believe it. You're you're sleeping with other men, aren't you? You're cheating on me. And it just goes off on her. No, Bert, you're the cheater because <laughs> yeah. you're fucking married. Yeah. And she says, you know, that this was a crazy decision on her part, but she didn't know what else to do. She says, fine, Bert. I'll tell you what. Let's go down to the doctor, and I'm going to have him examine me and prove to you that I'm still a virgin. And they do, and he does, and Bert has to shut his poogash about it. (laughs) Jeez, that's crazy. Oh, my God. I mean, crazy that she had to do that. Yeah. But you get why she... I don't know how else to shut you up. Yeah. And then the divorce investigation came back. Big surprise. (gasps) The papers are bullshit. What? He was still married. (laughs) But but, but he said that he wasn't. Are you for real? (sighs) His wife, Francine, was a nice girl. She's a housewife, mother to his daughter. Daughter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bert says they dated for three years and never had intercourse. But one day she said, everybody thinks we're having sex. And she started to cry because, yeah. of course, this would have been, I suppose, I guess in the 40s. I sometime. think, yeah, yeah, the late 40s. And it was very not cool to have sex outside of marriage for right. women. Obviously, men could do whatever they right. wanted. But for women, it meant that you were just a big old slut. Right. Um, even if it was just one guy. It didn't matter. You had to get that ring first. Um, so she started, she was real upset that people thought that she was sleeping with Bert, even though they weren't sleeping together. Mm -hmm. So he married her, even though he didn't want to, out of pity, because people thought they were having sex. That's his story. He's like, oh, well, I had to to marry her. I didn't want to, but I had to, so I'm stuck. You know, what a champ. Uh Uh-huh. Wait a good, good, what an altruist. Thanks so much for the pity ring, you dick. Well, you know, on one hand, this was really hard for Francine. Maybe getting married was, you know, socially the only option. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, you know what the social option was, was for Bert to take his power and go out in the world and say, hey, no, I'm not having sex with her. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I actually we don't want to get married. So we're going to split up and and, you know, just do something. There was there was other options for you, Bert. Yeah. Other options. I promise. You suck. 
And he says Francine knew he was seeing other women and accepted it, didn't care about it. Sure. I like <laughs> she to didn't hear want him around. Francine's freaking well, opinion about that. Um, but yeah, maybe you're right. She was like, cool, whatever gets you out of the house. Don't care. <laughs> and their daughter was severely disabled. Yeah. So she was had her hands full making sure the daughter was taken care of. Right. Bert's friend, Bob Janoff, oh, noted Pugash. This fucking guy. <laughs> said it really weighed on Bert. Because his wife was this frump who's at home taking care of, quote, this little girl that he produced that he couldn't carry around and show everybody his beautiful daughter. That's the grossest thing. Out of this whole story that is very gross, that quote for me just stood out so hard. That he called this kid the little girl that he produced. As if she was just like, you know, this object accident. Yeah, and then commiserating with Bert, being like, it was really hard for him because he didn't have this ideal, beautiful baby to go show around to everyone. Like, fuck off. That's oh, I, fucking oh, I gross. ended up hating Bob so much, almost more than Bert in this story. <laughs> Bert really edges him out in the end. But yeah, yeah. Bert, <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> ooh, Bob Janoff. Bob, turn off. You can see why they're friends. Yeah. They have very similar principles in that they have none. God, no one else would be friends with them. (laughs) I know, right? Hopefully not. So Linda could not take it, okay? She's like, he's lying to me about his wife, his wife's home with their disabled daughter. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm done with Bert. So she quit her job, she packed her bags, and she took a trip to Florida with some friends for a month. And that's where she met Larry Schwartz. And that's going to take us to this episode's side piece. Tasty. Larry was gorgeous. (laughs) And kind. Wow. That must have been a shock. Right. (laughs) Like, oh, wow. (laughs) Men can be halfway decent. And they met on the beach. He asked her out. Rusty Goldberg, who's a friend of Linda's, said... Every girl who met him had a crush on him, but, you know, we got over it. (laughs) And Linda and Larry were apparently the two most attractive people on the beach. So, like, as soon as they hit the sand, they were like, zip, magnets. You know that when you're in a space and there's just, like, two unrealistically hot people there and you're like, they, yeah, they belong together. Yeah. (laughs) They're going to go off and be their movie star selves. Mm -hmm. We're all going to watch. Yeah, we're all going to (laughs) watch. Oh, no. Well, I mean, not... Anyway. (laughs) We're not going to watch this blossom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to watch it to its denouement. (laughs) But, unfortunately, as with all trips to Florida, it had to end sometime. Uh. At some point, Linda had to go back to New York. And Larry was also going into the army. So this idyllic fantasy ended. So Linda gets back to New York, and guess what? It's more the same Bert saying, oh, this divorce is really ending. I love you so much. I promise. I promise. It just hasn't gone through yet. The only reason I lied to you is because I didn't want to lose you. I mean, all these just classic. I mean, talk about a bouquet of red flags. <laughs> For <laughs> this real. This is all of them, right? And, and Lin- like cliche lines. Oh, like yeah. These lines are also, like if you wrote it in a script now, you'd be like, yeah. they'd go, "This I'd reject this, this for yeah. being terrible. No one would say this <laughs> in real life. Bert would say it. Bert would. And Linda didn't really know what to do because 
she did kind of see a really wild, adventurous life with Bert, and she would be in luxury and be provided for and happy, except she couldn't trust him, obviously. So even though everything would be provided for her, she would be with a man that she absolutely couldn't trust, right? Because he's lied to her twice now, in addition to all the little tiny lies. (laughs) (laughs) And so even if she wanted this idyllic life, she couldn't have it because he was still married. Still, though, she hoped that maybe this divorce would go through and maybe there is something here still. She really, like we said, just kind of didn't have that much else to look forward to. But then she got a phone call from none other than Mrs. Bugash Francine. (laughs) And poor Francine says, hey, look, if you want to date him, you can date him all you want. I don't really care. But I'll tell you right now. I need you to know I am not going to give him a divorce, Mm -hmm. that it ain't happening. I don't care what y'all do, but he's not divorcing me because he's responsible for her. (laughs) He's responsible for that kid. And he's trying to run off just because he wants to sleep with other people Mm -hmm. uh, and ditch her because she doesn't suit his needs anymore. And so obviously Francine is like, that's that doesn't work for me. No, you know, I'm I'm not going to get totally screwed here. Because you want to go out and get screwed here. (laughs) I know. know? She's like, I'm trying to be married and have a life. I'm not trying to be a side piece for the rest of my life. Right. And And, be a mistress. That's not happening. And Francine is like, yeah, if you divorce me, I'm out of my ass. Mm -hmm. I have nothing. I take care of this kid, you know, who's a a lot of of work and probably a lot of money that she's not going to be able to pull in on her own. Right. And I'm sure Bert is definitely lending a hand. On, well, on the hard parts of taking care of this oh, kid. Oh, yeah, right? And can you imagine what that divorce would be like? He is a sleazeball lawyer. She would get nothing out of that's, that divorce, and I'm sure she knows it. I think that's what she was thinking. Too. Yeah. She's like, she's like, I can't trust him either, girl. Yeah. None of us can. Yeah. He's a liar, and I don't know what he's going to do to me, so yep. I might be on the street with a severely disabled daughter I don't have enough money to take care of. Yep. So, yeah, I'm not giving him a divorce. And Linda said, all right, that sounds reasonable to me. So fuck this. I'm out. If he's not going to divorce Francine, that's not going to happen. So I'm not hanging around. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. And she called it off for good. Oh, Dusted her hands off. Said, fuck this. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Goodbye. But then his behavior took a real turn. Mm-hmm. Bert's secretary. <laughs> From bad to worse. I know, right? <laughs> Which I'm like, his behavior already sucked. Right. But it got... Real dramatic. Bert's secretary and a friend of his said he just flipped and acted like a toddler. He'd bang his fists and feet on the ground like at a temper tantrum shouting, Linda! And when he threatened suicide, his friends had him committed. Right. But he used his lawyer connections to get himself out within like... Oh, immediately. He called He called one of his friends down there to raise hell and like got himself totally checked out of that institution he probably belonged in. Yeah. So now he's not in there, and he starts stalking Linda. He calls her all the time. He calls her friends and family. He hired guys to throw rocks through her windows because he was kind of like, if she's scared enough, she'll have to come back to me. Uh, that is such deranged thinking. Very gross. Yeah. Very scary mindset. Yeah. And I think my understanding, and from the stories I've heard from women, not uncommon. No. I will frighten you into Mm -hmm. running into my arms. Yeah. But it's like guys who will follow a woman. Right. You know, and she has to 
take 45 minutes out of her fucking day to go hide somewhere until right. he finally gets tired and right. leaves. Like, what What do you think is going to happen? She's going to be like, oh, finally, my prince has come. <sighs> but whatever, that's that persistence wins the prize. Yep. It really gets muddled for people in their brain. And of course, you know, she told the cops about it because she's like, I'm scared for my freaking safety. And the cops said, well, nothing we can do. Yeah. Which is what they still do, by the way, today. Oh, yeah. If you're yeah. often, if you're being stalked or harassed. They were like, did you see him personally do that? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, no, but he's definitely hired these guys to do it. And they're like, well, yeah. come on, he's a lawyer. What are we going to do? Thank you so much for making me feel protected and safe. <laughs> yeah. But then Larry came back. Larry. Larry. Ah, he got out of the army and he showed up in New York looking for her. And she's like, Finally, I'm free of Bert. (laughs) (laughs) Right? This army guy here. I know, right? And Larry's like a normal guy. He drives an old station wagon. He's not flashy or wealthy like Bert, but he was kind and he loved her. And so they dated for a while, and eventually they send out their wedding invitations. And she's going to marry Larry. Marry Larry. Marry Larry. There you go, girl. Sounds like an oldies song. (laughs) I'm going to marry Larry. Mm Mm-hmm. Larry's gonna marry me. See, you get it. <laughs> Everybody come to the wedding now, cause I'm finally poogash free. <laughs> yeah, I just I wrote love that. it. All we need in the background is like, do, 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 do. Ah, somebody lay those together. All right. Yeah, put it together. <laughs> <laughs> so Bert is still in pursuit. And he goes to Linda's father's house. I guess he's tried every other avenue. He's like, I'll go to her dad. And he says, hey, maybe you can help me get it back. And her dad says, hey, sorry, buddy, too late. She's engaged. And Bert, like, you zoom in on his eyes, and they just are vain (laughs) bursts, and his, his forehead is pulsing, and he's, like, twitching, and he just loses his stupid little mind. And he says that classic villainous, horrible thing that monsters always say. If I can't have her, nobody can. And Linda had told Larry about Bert, and he's like, he's like, what does Larry sound like? He's like, oh, he's just an idiot. He's just <laughs> blowing off steam. I just wow, picture I, I, 1950s very, Superman. Yeah, very 40s. You even have your arms akimbo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one night they come home, And lurking in the shadows across the street, there's some figure. And Larry says, hey, there's someone over there I think we should be cognizant of. (laughs) (laughs) And Linda's like, fuck me, that's definitely Bert. And it was. It was Bert. And he himself in an interview says, yeah, I was there. I had a gun. And my plan was to kill Larry. But he says, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. He says, it's harder than you think it is to shoot somebody. Well, I'm glad to hear it was hard for you, Bert. Man. I guess. But he couldn't do the dirty work himself. So rather than thinking, oh, man, I am really going crazy here. I need to back off. I can't. I almost shot somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's wrong with me? Maybe I should put this energy and <laughs> right. dedication into my family. Right. But no, he doesn't think that. Instead, he decides to hire some guys to go rough up Linda. He thinks this will scare her. If I, can, if I can spook her bad enough to thinking, oh, I'm, I'm not safe with big strapping army man Larry. I better run back to Bert so that these attacks stop. 
That's his mindset. So he hires a couple of goons to go rough her up at her door. I love you so much, baby. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Oh, my God. And we are going to find out what happened with that right after we get back from this commercial break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it, it would have been, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Welcome back. So it's June of 1959. Linda is waiting on a gift from Larry. He's going to send her an engagement present. So she's very excited when she gets a knock on the door because she thinks, oh, I'm going to have a pretty package or some flowers or something fancy from Larry. so kind. So exciting. And as soon as she opens the door, there's a man standing there named Herd Hardin. And he's got two guys behind him. And he immediately throws a glass of liquid in Linda's face. And it's lie. So it immediately starts burning. She screams in pain. She runs to the bathroom and she's rinsing her eyes and face with water trying to get this lie off. Herd Harden and the other two disappear. An ambulance came and Linda doesn't really remember what happened after that. Understandable. Her brain was like, let's I'm going to shut down for a second. Yeah. We're just going to ignore this. Yeah. So you can move on with your life. And doctors say she would likely lose sight in both her eyes and remain badly scarred for the rest of her life. And her mother knew. She told police that was Bert Pugash. I know it wasn't him at the door, but that was Bert Pugash. Yeah. And when the police were able to visit Linda in the hospital, she also said, absolutely, no ifs, buts, or maybes, that's who did it. So the story blows up. Uh, The next day, headlines all over New York City, the whole country shortly after that. And Herd Hardin actually tried to blackmail Bert for this. Bert says he never wanted them to do this. He just hired them to rough her up, which, like, that's okay. He's like, I just wanted them to beat her up a little bit. I didn't ask for acid. Just break a couple bones. Yeah. And Herd says, well, I'm going to blackmail you. I'm going to go to the papers and I'm going to tell him that you hired us to do this unless you give us some more money. Mm. And, oh, God, here's a Bob Janoff story. Bob Janoff is talking with Bert in his office 
Bert says, you know, do you think I did? I could do something like this. And Bob says, well, my my heart says no, but my head says, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Bob Janoff, Bob Turnoff says, if you had anything to do with it, the only way you're going to get out of this, this is a lawyer's advice. His friend Bob Janoff was also a lawyer. The only way you're going to get out of this is to get a gun and go kill the black guys. And Bert took the advice. Bert was going to try and kill these guys. He tried to set up a meeting. He tried to say, yeah, I, I, I get you more money. Uh, just come meet me in a dark alley somewhere. And Herd Hardin, who has done this way more than Bert has, is like, no, you're definitely going to try and kill me. So I'm not coming to meet you. And at one point, Herd and his guys actually ran Bert off the road in his car and caused an accident and it broke a bunch of Bert's ribs. Good. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> You know, n- n- nobody's the good guy in this no. situation because Heard definitely threw that acid. But mm-hmm. but ugh. finally, the D.A. has the case and Bert gets arrested. Francine sold the house. She was not surprised about what's going on with <laughs> yeah. Bert for some reason. <laughs> Probably the pattern of his life. <laughs> oh, he's a monster. Surprise. Mm. And she did have to put her daughter into an institution because she was not able to care for her alone, as she yeah. suspected. And she did divorce Bert at this point. Yeah. She's like, oh, wait, you're hiring people to harm people. You're trying to kill people. Maybe I'm done now. Which is a, a common pattern here in this story where I'm like, good for Francine. And also I'm mad that Bert got what he wanted. Yeah, same. Yeah. Linda's in the hospital for months. And she told Larry she wasn't going to hold him to their engagement. She said, you can go. But he stuck with her. And he stayed with her in the hospital. He was very loving and protective. And she kept pushing him to leave her because she was worried he was going to get hurt. But he insisted on staying with her, just like night and shining on her. I'll never leave you, my dear. Mm -hmm. I'm here to protect you, no matter what the cost. Until no one was watching them anymore. Because the minute the story was out of the papers and Linda was back home with no reporters chasing them, Larry called her and ended their engagement. Larry, I trusted you. Larry! Oh, I really thought Larry was going to be the good guy here, and he turns out just to be another sucker. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, poor, man. poor Linda is not meeting a lot of fellas worth knowing. Uh, no, absolutely not. And it, this, Oh, I'll stick by you as long as the cameras are watching. I don't want to look like an asshole. I want to be an asshole, but I don't want to look like an asshole publicly. <laughs> Seriously. You know, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, like, you know, you're dating someone and, you know, you don't anticipate having to care for them, mm-hmm. you know, their whole life or have this big change go on or this dangerous situation. But, you know, you're also engaged at that point. And I think at that point you've decided, you know, no matter what, you and I are together. Yeah. So to be like, oh, well, I thought it was <laughs> I didn't expect a challenge. Yeah. right. You know, I didn't expect something to be slightly different. So that, I'm out. Yeah. Larry should have been more like Fleur Delacour when Bill Weasley got <laughs> attacked go. by a werewolf. Yeah. And she said, oh, you think I'm going to leave him because he's all scarred up now? I think I'm pretty enough for both of us. Thank you very much. Well, yeah, Larry, you were pretty enough for both of them. That's right. And Linda was still Linda was attractive. still gorgeous. This is a thing. Crazy. Larry just really disappoints me. Okay? Yeah. Larry. Ugh. Linda had this female police officer, Margaret Powers, who was assigned to her as her security detail until Bert got his conviction. Great name. Margaret, Margaret Powers, Powers is so totally like, I mean, picture this is basically Brienne of Tarth, <laughs> this, this big, strong woman standing outside her door. And she's like, ain't nobody coming in here to fuck with you. Yes. Linda, I am 
I am Margaret Powers, and I'm. Gonna I'd be, like to I'm see not, him I'm, try. I am the powers that be right now. <laughs> I love it. And uh, she needed more Margaret Powers. She really life. did. And and Margaret ended up being like one of the girls. She ended up being mm-hmm. one of her friends and hanging out with them a lot. They had a really good relationship. Linda still had a little bit of sight left in one eye, and she decided, you know what? When she got out of the hospital, she was like. I'm going to really take charge of my life now. Mm. She moved out of her mother and grandmother's house. She stepped out on her own. She got a job. She got her own apartment. She started taking art classes and she started painting. She actually has some really interesting paintings. It's really good work. Yeah. Yeah. And Bert, meanwhile, is like, I see no reason I should go to jail. He literally says that. There's no reason at this point. I didn't do anything wrong. The thing I hired them to do, they didn't even do. So what did I do? You know? I mean, you hired them to cause harm and they caused harm. Like, that's it. He had been disbarred at this point, of course. (laughs) Because the Bar Association (laughs) was like, absolutely not. You already sucked. (laughs) And you're gone now. But he took his own case and represented himself in court. And he fought like the crazy madman that he is. He said, ah, the DA is persecuting me. He filed lawsuits against the city for millions of dollars. In the middle of his argument in court one day, he made a citizen's arrest of the DA (laughs) and the officer who arrested him for, quote, conspiring to commit a felony by tapping his phone. And when the judge said, uh... No, there's no basis for that. <laughs> and I am not going to present a federal case against these two. Pugash said, well, then I hereby announce this whole court is under arrest. And he's just very dramatic. Again, he thinks he's in a movie right yeah. now. He yeah. is not seeing himself in a regular life. So he tries to arrest the whole court. And the judge says, no one in here is going anywhere. And you're not going anywhere. So absolutely not. At one point, Bert used his broken eyeglasses to slash his own wrists. He shouted, Linda, I love you. Linda, I need you. I want you. While he was being led to court, he said he was trying for a mistrial when he did that. So yeah. it wasn't really a suicide attempt. No. He just wanted them to was, be like, oh, this this guy's in a crazy place and he can't be tried right now. It was in front of the cameras. It was on his way into court. He had the security all around him. He said he rubbed the blood all over his face so they couldn't tell where it was coming from. And they just, he wanted them to say, oh, mistrial, we got to start over. Linda, meanwhile, called it all bullshit because <laughs> she knows Bert at this yeah. point. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. So his insanity plea was rejected. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess the whole court knew about him at this point. And Linda was finally brought in as a witness. As this trial went on for a couple of years. So they finally bring her to the stand. They lead her up there because, you know, the blindness. Yeah. <laughs> and Bert says, oh, that was all for show. That was all for show. She could really see. They're just trying to make people feel sorry for her. Oh, that uh, that woman I th- I hired somebody who threw acid in her face is oh she's acting all blind now. Jeez, I know what a mm. what a what a bunch of nonsense. They're just trying to make me look bad. Like it wasn't hard to make you look bad, Bert. Yeah, you did that all on your own, buddy. Yeah, we didn't need to put on a show for it. She couldn't see well enough to see him, but she said, "If someone told me then that Bert was dead, I would have said, wonderful." <laughs> Bert said. It was worth being on trial just because he got to see Linda. On the stand, Linda said, I want him dead. (laughs) Like, she is not even playing right now. And the jury came back, decided he was guilty, and they sentenced him to 30 years in jail. Mm -hmm. And Linda said, 
Not long enough. I want him to <laughs> rot there. Right. Which, right. amen, girl. <laughs> Me too. And off he went to Sing Sing Prison. And off we go to a commercial break. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. 
all these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So Linda, at this point, Bert's in jail and she takes off for Europe. She's like, I'm living my life now. Linda goes to get her groove back and she bought huge sunglasses, which covered her eyes and her scars. And she said she had no problem meeting men out there. And she would have fun and she was dating and just having a great time out in Europe like like you do after your stalker goes to jail. I As guess. she should. Treat yourself, Linda. Yeah. And she also remained a virgin for a long time. Even though she was out there dating stuff, she still was not having sex. It wasn't something that was interested to her. She really wanted to wait until she was married. Uh, That was important to her. And she dated this guy, this Southern American guy, and she never once took her sunglasses off around him. And so this guy wanted her to marry him. And she went to her friends. She was like, I've got to come clean about my eyes because he's never seen them and he wants to marry me and I don't feel right. So she says, okay, when he comes to meet me tomorrow night, I'm going to wear my clear glasses. He came in, he saw her, and he couldn't handle it. And he took off. Linda is once again just devastated by this. She says, it destroyed me. Mm. She's thinking, I'm damaged merchandise. Uh, No one's ever going to want me. I'm never going to get married. I'll never have another chance at love. God damn. The men that she has encountered. I mean, it's just, you know, you throw a rock in a group of men and you're going to hit an asshole, it seems like, (laughs) from this story. I know. I'm going to hit a pugash. There's some nice guys out there. Why didn't she come across a single one of them? To be fair, I've heard dating in New York is very hard. That's true. I've also heard that. All my single friends in New York hate (laughs) dating there. Yeah. Meanwhile, Bird is in prison. But he's offering legal advice to hardened criminals oh my God. in the prison, like actual mobsters. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, it's like, you know, probably a lot of people in prison didn't get fair sure. legal counsel and, and could use some. 
but the people he's picking out here. He ain't talking to anybody that had a public defender. No. He's talking to mobsters. They've got names like Jimmy the Tooth, you know. <laughs> Jimmy the Tooth. Billy the Big. Oh, that Frank one wasn't fish. very creative. <laughs> Billy um, the Big, they were tired that day. Oh, uh, Billy the Big. You know why they called me that? Because uh, I'm smaller than the rest of them. It's very ironic. Anyway, mobsters. Yeah. So, like, again, he's not practicing law, but he's reading a lot of law books while he's in prison. And he would find legal loopholes for them to exploit. Mm-hmm. That's what he was good at. Yeah. He's very good at system. finding these Every loopholes. case is a fix, his friend told him. He knew that. Well, and he found the fix, or he fixed it himself. Yep. And he got three murder convictions overturned while he was in prison. <laughs> Probably for exchanges. He was everybody's favorite prisoner, yeah. so he certainly wasn't didn't have to worry about you know his safety or anything. Right. Yeah, there's nothing altruistic about Bert. Oh, yeah. He definitely got something out of it. Oh, yeah. And he would call Linda's friends crying from prison, just continuing his stocky, gross behavior. And things are getting difficult for Linda outside of prison. Uh, Her grandmother had died. Linda's vision was getting worse. Her mother's growing senile. And Bert would send her these long, like, rambly letters from prison. He's begging for forgiveness. He really wants to see her again. He even brought lawsuits against her so he could contact her. Oh, so you want to rough me up? And then you want to bring a lawsuit to me. Yeah. She shows up. Oh, I see you got my lawsuit. I know. Great. Thanks for stopping by. So romantic. I didn't know how to. You weren't answering your phone. So I figured the best way to get in touch with you was to sue you. And weirdly for a civil rights lawyer, William Kunstler went to Linda and said, Bert really loves you. He wants to see you. So (laughs) Linda's response was, well, if he loves me so much, Tell him to send me some damn money. <laughs> and Bert did. Yeah. He sent her $4,000. <laughs> so right away, she calls the parole board and says, don't let him out. He sent me $4,000 to harass me. <laughs> Which I, I love that move from Linda. I He's know. like, me fine, too. give me some money. Thanks for the money. <laughs> Stay in prison. Yes. <laughs> As she should. That was the best way to do that. Uh-huh. But also she's like, you're not supposed to be contacting me. Right. So the very fact that you would respond to what I said and send me anything, no, that's not cool. Like, I'm not trying to talk to you. Right. But unsurprisingly to me, Bert goes to the parole board and they say, yeah, hey, did you send her money? Are you going to continue to send her money if you get out? And Bert goes, yeah, if I have it. And they say, all right, we'll let you out in March. Of 1974. So she's telling them he's harassing me by sending me this money. And they're like, so are you going to keep harassing her? And he's like, yeah, I will. And they were like, great. Sounds great. Bye. The parole board's like, Ed, this crazy broad said uh, you were sending her money and she she thought you were harassing her. You want to send us some more money? All right, great. You know, mm-hmm. Ed, she sounds like she needs somebody to take care of her, this crazy broad. And they wish somebody would harass me like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. I would take four, four grand from... Yeah, stalk me sometime, Bert, know, will you? Hey, hey, throw some acid in my face, why don't you? <laughs> oh, God, these fuckers. I don't know why they let him out for that. And when he got out, Bert was not allowed to contact Linda. At least they said that. You know, you're, you can't... You can't yeah, that, that had worked so well before. I know, right? But okay. And if not, we'll, we'll really wag a finger at you. <laughs> Meanwhile, Linda goes to a fortune teller. And the fortune teller says, a man caused all of your problems. True. But (laughs) he loves you desperately. And, okay, speculation station. 
did Bert hire this fortune teller? <laughs> I'm saying. Was he like, hey, go tell her that I really love her. He was telling everybody to go tell yeah. her that he loved her. He's like, well, it didn't. It didn't work when I threw rocks in her window. It didn't work when I threw acid in her face. Maybe maybe I can turn to the mystic arts. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. But he's, he's willing to try anything, it seems. He worked as a paralegal, of course, because he lost his license. And he's hounded by reporters immediately. As soon as he walks out of prison, they're like, give us an interview. Mm-hmm. And him loving attention, he does give a big TV interview primetime news everybody's watching because it's this the story of the guy who threw acid in the girl's face mm-hmm. it's a big deal yeah and at the end of the interview he looks at the reporter and he looks directly into the camera and he says linda i love you and i want to marry you and the country just erupts holy shit the man who disfigured a woman out of jealousy just proposed to her on live TV. Nobody could believe it. And once again, Bert was a sensational headline. Linda was very sad in her day-to-day life at this point. She's 35. She's got nobody in her life. Her friends are all married. They're enjoying their love lives. And she's emotionally closed off, even to her closest friends. But they knew she was thinking about Bert a lot. So her friend Rita and her security detail, Margaret Powers, her who's now just a friend of hers. Right. Together, they go to Linda, and they say, you need to confront Bert with the police there. Uh-huh. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go crazy here. Uh-huh. But they're like, if you don't give yourself that chance, you'll always wonder what might have been, which I think is a little weird. I feel like my advice as a friend would be like, stop wondering what might have been, because it's a fantasy. Yeah. You need to get away, cut yourself off from this yeah. guy entirely. Stop letting him make you think about him. Easier said than done, probably, but... Sure. Well, when you're when he's in the headlines and stuff, yeah. it's like he's just constantly being thrown in her face. Right. Like other things were thrown in her face. <laughs> Equally toxic. Yikes. And I don't know if, like... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'd be like, uh, we already know what would happen. He sucks. He would lie to you. He would... He is willing to harm you. Who knows what he'd be willing to do once you're married? Like, I don't know. That wouldn't have been my advice. I would have been like, if you need closure, you need to go to a therapist. Yeah. Before you need to see Bert. Yep. But I'm not a psychologist. No, so. and it's 1974, and you right. know, attitudes like, were a lot different back then. We can see you're still thinking about him. Yeah. Let's talk to him. Maybe that'll close the chapter for you or help you move on. So Linda invited him to dinner. He shows up at her door, and she said in the interview... In jail, they made a new man out of him. He was muscular. He looked very good. I mean, I saw the pictures. I, was, I wasn't impressed. But I uh, guess he, you know, from what he was before to uh, sure. what he was then, maybe it was a big step. He's no Larry <laughs> Schwartz. <laughs> and as soon as she opens the door on him, he gets down on a knee and proposes. And so Too Linda, of course, is like, whoa, 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 hang on. Let's, let's talk. Let's give this a minute. You're so extra. And they gave it five months, and then they were married. (sighs) She married him, and boom, of course, national headlines once again. This story picks back up, and then the money starts rolling in. They're selling their story. There's books coming out. They're they're doing interviews constantly. They're on TV all the time because everybody wants to hear why the hell did this happen this way. Nobody can figure it out. And they keep swearing up and down in their interviews that they are so happy together. 
And Linda's friends say, yeah, he's really good to her. Hmm. They kind of have to learn to accept it. A lot of them say, you know, we never accepted him, but uh, but we don't have to be, you know, friendly. Yeah. Uh, or we don't have to be friends. In 1987, New York Times asked her what her marriage was like, and she said, I think it's probably good as most, probably better. The men she's used to right. s- to spending time with, maybe he was. You yeah. know, may I don't know what her dad was like, but right. clearly they separated for a reason. And I don't know what her friend's husbands were like either. Yeah. But I wonder if she was like, I see what they're like at home. In my house, I'm in charge. I mean, like, there's, I don't know. I yeah. mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he was really good to her once they were together and he had what he wanted. He didn't have that obsessiveness anymore. I don't know. I don't know. She did tell Geraldo, he's a good husband. In my way, I probably do love him. I just find it hard to use that word. (laughs) No shit. Yeah. And she said in a Washington Post interview in 2007, marrying him was the best revenge. I'm a ball buster. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, oh, maybe she's like, well, I got a clincher to every argument. None of my friends got this one. (laughs) That's true. You want to fight with me about something? (laughs) It is a pretty good mic drop. Although she says they never talked about the incident. I mean, they talked about it, but they don't talk. They don't talk about it regularly at all. Uh, she knows that he regrets it. He says, "If I could undo it, I would." He called it a neurotic reaction to a terrible situation, and mm. I have so many problems with this quote because, first of all, that's not a neurotic reaction. That's a violent attack. It's a very fucked up, weird thing to do. Hiring, you know, a neurotic reaction is like. Uh, making a scene at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. You know, a neurotic reaction is not hiring thugs to attack a woman. And terrible situation. She just didn't want to date you because you were already married. The only person that's a terrible situation for is everyone but you. Right. You so could have fixed it. it. Oh, my God. He had every opportunity to fix it. Like not dating other people besides his wife. <laughs> uh, I mean, for real. Rita, her friend, said... Financial security was the most important thing to her, and Bert was her financial securer. So that was her feeling about why Linda may have accepted him in the end there. And it's, you know, it makes sense because that's why she dated him in the first place. That's true. And again, she has been saying for years now that she wants to be married and have a family or whatever. And now she's got, thanks to him... She has this disfigurement that she probably feels every man is going to react like that one guy and be the friggin' like, I'm running away from you, horrible, and hurt her feelings. I'm sure she was like, I c- it would be very hard to do that again. Yeah. Um, To get to a point with someone where you were willing to try that again. Do you right, know what I mean? So right. she's probably like, you know what? He already knows what I look like. It's his fucking fault. So whatever. <laughs> Fine. So they're married. They're weirdly happy they really are like an old married couple they bicker they fight they make up they go out they're constantly at each other's hip and uh that seems to be it right like coming to the end of the episode and i guess they just live happily ever after wait a minute surprise late game side piece wait what turns out that in the early 90s Linda went in for heart surgery, and she spent several weeks in the hospital. And come on, what do you expect Bert to do? Just be on his own for a couple weeks? No, 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 no. Bert went out and picked up a mistress. Her name was Evangeline Borgia, 
and she was 27 years younger than him. In 1997, he was accused of harassing and abusing her after seeing her for five years. Evangeline said he promised to marry her and divorce Linda. Mm. Isn't, doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah. I'm sure. I swear the divorce papers are going through any day now, I bet he said. I don't even like that bitch. Uh-huh. Oh, she's just an old frump that sits around the house, you know? Same old story for Bert. And when Evangeline refused dinner with him one night, he said, I'll do the same thing to you that I did to Linda. She says he grabbed her by the hair and he groped her and he said, get this. He said, if I can't have you, nobody can. And if you don't go to dinner with me tonight, then tonight will be your last dinner. He allegedly told her that he had connections and he would make it happen quickly and he would pay for her funeral himself. That's kind of a weird threat. Like, you're like, I got connections, I'll kill you, if nobody can have, and I'll pay for your funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, I got that part covered, too. Don't worry. Yeah, weird. And Bert, in a later interview, said, well, she's lying about that. That's outrageous. I mean, yeah, I told her I would divorce my wife for her, but I didn't mean it. I lied to her there. I'll concede that. Which... Is what liars do. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was like, oh, I'll admit to one part of this yep. and then say the rest is nonsense. Yep, that makes but it real. But it's like, who can trust you, Bert? I trust Evangeline before I trust you. Especially- And just... all this tracks, all this tracks Oh, with same you. pattern all over again. But I could also see, because all that stuff was probably in the papers, so you sure. could also see Evangeline being she like, well, I know story. he said, if I can't have you, nobody can. Yeah. So I'll say he said that to me or whatever. But still, like I'm saying, Bert's a liar. So I believe her before I believe him. And Evangeline has her back turned to the camera in all her interviews. She's constantly ducking the press. It's not like she was in this for the great attention you get when you Uh go after a rich, famous person Mm -hmm. for abusing you. It's not like you get a fucking parade for that. You get harassed. Some People are so weird when they're like, they're just doing it for fame. And I'm like, the worst kind of fame you can get. Who would want that? Who wants that? No one. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, Linda is just, like, kind of mad at Bert. Yeah, like She's... wagging her finger. She's like, I'm pissed about the affair. She tells the reporter, I'm pissed about the affair, but he won't do it again. He knows I'd kick him out. And I'm like, I think he knows you won't, because you yeah, literally cause you came back didn't. to him, like, six times. After the worst shit you could do to yeah. someone, you I came think back. he feels pretty secure that you're not going to leave him. Yeah. He represents himself again <laughs> in court, and Linda defended him over and over again. On the steps of the courthouse, basically looks out at the crowd and says, Hey guys, do your wives know what you're doing all the time? Like, this is the first affair. Give me a break. Which, again, I think just shows how little experience with any man worth fucking knowing she has. Yeah. Because she probably just feels like all men are kind of like Bert and Larry and the guy who ran off. Yeah. And she's like, so... I can't see that any of y'all are any different. And there's at least one guy in the audience going, I would I would never do any. <laughs> yeah, right. And she testified on his behalf, and he was acquitted of all but one charge of harassment. And so he spent 15 days in jail for that. And here's a gross quote. <laughs> Bert told a reporter, I'll absolutely change my behavior, but as soon as I get my wife home, there may be another sexual assault charge. <laughs> Gross. Gross. And they continued their marriage. 
they somehow seemed to really love each other and supported each other through all of this wackiness. Friends of hers ask how this can happen, but again, they just kind of have to accept it. Her cousin, who really does not like Bert, even admits that she's not sure that anyone could have given her a life as good as Bert did in the end. Look at the net cost here, though. Mm -hmm. Your entire vision. Scars all over your face. He cornered her Mm -hmm. into feeling like she had to choose him. If I disfigure you, you know, Mm -hmm. who else is going to love you but me? Yeah. I think, too, that kind of, you know, people are so, like, a good life is a luxurious life. It's a life where you don't have to worry about money. And that's what he gave her. Whereas there's a lot of ways to have a good life. And it doesn't always include a lot of money. Right. She could have had a good life with a person where they were constantly worried about money, but... She was not worried about her safety. He was not stepping out on her and telling other women that he's going to, like, divorce her and hurt them (laughs) and pay for their funeral. I mean, you know, there's anyway. But again, she saw that opportunity Mm -hmm. in Larry. She was like, you know what? There's a I don't have to be rich. I can just find someone kind. And he screwed her over, too. So true. So it's such a tricky story because. There's so much context that really makes you understand why Linda went back to him. But at the same time, you're also looking at a story where a manipulative, powerful, dangerous, violent person tricked everyone Mm -hmm. into getting exactly what he wanted in the end. Yeah. And that, for that, I, I think you can kind of, different people interpret the story differently that even the documentary movie I kind of had a problem with because it's sort of like look at this love story in the end and I don't think I can ever accept that I don't think I can ever be okay even knowing like you know she made all her own choices she did what she wanted and she had all these reasons for going back to him I'm still like he tricked everyone and got everything he ever wanted and barely had to pay for it Mm -hmm. he said If I can't have her, no one can, and he got her. He said, I need a divorce from Francine, and he got it. Mm -hmm. He told everyone, leave me alone. I want to be happy with my wife, and they did. It's really frustrating. And in 2013, Linda died of heart failure. She was 75 years old. Poogash managed to live another seven years. He died just this past December in 2020. Wow. And he had about $18 million in assets that was supposed to be divided up amongst his friends, his caregiver named Shaman Frawley, who was 52. $10 million was supposed to go to a foundation for the visually impaired that he set up in Linda's honor. But all this is in contention right now. They're, they're arguing over this because lawyers argue that the caretaker conspired with her estranged husband to coerce Pugash into altering his will after he had a stroke. So the latest version of it gave nearly all $18 million to her. Wow. And they're like, uh, no, that he was probably incapacitated. Uh-huh. This is not cool. But her lawyer says that she was the love of his life for the last five years, and he changed it because he wanted her to have it all. That's very... I mean, on one hand, it's like, wow, the player got played in the end. True. On the other hand, I'm like, wow, that she was supposed to get $5 million, which is a hefty a chunk lot. of money, mm-hmm. right? Out of the $18 million that he had. in 2020. But that means $10 million was supposed to go to a foundation for the visually impaired, and she is taking that away. Yeah. She's like, no, I get that. And that's pretty dark. 
I feel like if she convinced him that she was the love of his life, and maybe she was, maybe she loved him too, we can't say, but if she was duping him, $5 million, good for you, girl, That's take it and good. go. Yeah, for a dupe. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, well, maybe they were laughing about all the people they could <laughs> screw over in the last five right. years of his life, and he's like, yeah, this is a, this is my soulmate. Right, right. She's also horrible. I don't know. It's tricky. Of course, she denies all that. Her lawyers deny all that. Right. And, you know, all these other things. Uh, a bunch of bad people taking advantage of vulnerable people. Yeah. It's a tough story. It is. Um, and it kind of shows you how just how crazy abuse is yeah. and, and trauma can be because yeah. it really does affect what you do. And sometimes you don't make the best choices for yourself when you're in that space. And right. I again, it's hard to say that Linda made a wrong choice because mm-hmm. she seems to have a pretty happy life with Bert after they were married. Um, it's very hard to say. A relationship, as we've noted before in this podcast, can be very opaque to yeah. people on the outside, and you just have no idea what's going on between those two people. And if you're like on the outside being like, I have no fucking idea how the two of y'all make any sense. Um, you know, probably missing some information, as I said at the top of the episode. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it is it is hard. I do feel badly for Linda. I wish that she had had a better experience with yeah. people in the world in general. Right, right. And I, I wish Bert had not won every time. I think that's really the, the trick of it in the end. You want Linda to have had the life that she wanted. And in a way, Bert gave that to her in the second half of her life. But you really don't want Bert to have gotten what he wanted because he was evil and mm-hmm. cruel and vicious and manipulative you don't want him to get what he wants mm-hmm. unfortunately what he wanted you know i don't even know if it's unfortunately but his wants coincided with linda's in the second half again of her life but only because of what he did to her right <laughs> so right. It, it's ah it's uh, my brain is all in knots about this one mm-hmm. it, fortunately it's silly enough of a story And the two people, even the victim here, claims to be happy with it that, you know, we can kind of laugh at it, how absurd it is. I feel feel the worst for Evangeline and Francine. Yeah. They were the two who took it, who took a lot of abuse and didn't seem to get anything out of it. Yeah, it's pretty messed up that there's nothing in his will about his daughter or or Francine getting anything. I don't know. I don't know. It, It seems like he left her out. I mean, certainly. maybe not. I don't know for sure. But uh, she drops out of the story after a certain point. I can't you know? blame her. She was like, you know what? I'm good. Check out the movie again. It's all these characters are in it, but it's a little too rosy at the end of the of that story in the movie. That I, I think it gives Bert a little too much leeway that he mm. doesn't deserve. Yeah. Um, but still, check it out because it, it'll it's it's on Amazon Prime right now, so you can. Not an endorsement for Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo, Bezos. Well, I'm excited that we got to tell you all this story. Uh, this wacky, wacky, certainly very ridiculous romance. Uh, Maybe the peak ridiculous <laughs> romance we've told so far. But yeah, let us know what you think. Uh-huh. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Uh, you can always reach out to us at our email address. It's romance at iheartmedia.com. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, I'm at oh great, it's Eli. I'm at Diana Might Boom. You can reach out to the show at Ridic Romance on those platforms as well. Send us a message there. Tell us what you think. And uh, I suppose that we will see you lovely folks in our next episode. 
Love you. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.